Are you here for the word of the Lord? Amen. We're just going to preach the word to you today. So I want you to open up in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. We are working through this letter of John. And I know that, you know, sometimes you say, but, but pastor, you're going so deep. So deep in it. Is it too deep for you guys? No, we're going deep and we're going slow. Um, somebody said to me, if they quickly want to go through a book to, quick, uh, to preach a quick uh, you know, session or, or a series, they take one John because you can quickly run through it. Well, you can't. Because there are so many things which is applicable to our lives, isn't it? Last week, you are right, my brother. Words matter. Light and darkness. God is light and in Him is there is no darkness at all. And I'm not going to preach that sermon over and I want you, if you haven't seen it, go to our website, go to our YouTube page and listen to that sermon. And, and, and it's true, you know, a few people came afterwards and said to me, that is a hard word. Who, who, who believed it was a hard word last week? Yes, it was a hard word. It was hard for me to preach it as well. But it is a true word. I believe churches are becoming soft. They're becoming soft. They don't want to preach the gospel in spirit and truth anymore. But here we do it. And I say always to people, you vote. You know, I'm not going to try to hook you and keep you. You vote with your feet. You know, if I start messing the word up and meddling it down, then you should run away from this church. You shouldn't come here. But if we preach the word in spirit and truth, you should stay. Because the Lord will grow your faith. Amen? That is what we do. 1 John chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. We read the word of the Lord this morning. He says... My little children, I love it when John talks like this and he talks in these letters like that. It doesn't mean little babies, it means that it's all of us. I like to be a child of God. I'm still a child. I mean, you look at me and you go, you haven't got hair anymore. Well, I was born without hair, just to tell you, okay? But um, he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Selah, just think about that. My brother is right. We shouldn't just rush through. Think about what you've just heard. That's so that you may not sin. And if, everybody say and if. And if anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Think about it. And if anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the appropriation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Pause, meditate, think. Think about what you hear. What does it mean to you, what you just heard? Is it just words or noise? Take it in. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, speak to me through these words. Because I'm only going to preach on those two verses today. See, we're going deep again. But think about this. I believe these two verses is part of chapter 1. Because if you go through and thinking about what John said last week, he said that you know, people try to hide their sins from the people, from the fellowship. And then secondly, people try to hide their sins from themselves. And thirdly, people try to hide their sins from, from God. But they can't. We saw that. And now, now, and, and every time, it's so wonderful. Every time he says that if we walk in darkness, in God is no darkness, so we walk in darkness, we haven't got fellowship with God, but we say we walk in the light, but we walk in darkness. That's a lie. But then he says further on, if we say we have no sins, we lie to ourselves. And every single time when he say those things, he gives us the good news. The good news. The one is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. The second one is if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. The word unrighteousness is your lifestyle. I know, I know. You look at some Christians and their lifestyle is not there yet. Hang in there. God is more patient than you and me. So this is why I believe these two verses belong to chapter 1. And I want to remind you that chapter divisions came in later. Later. It's not as if the Holy Spirit said to, to, to John, write this down. Now it's 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. John, you get it? He didn't write that. You know, the, the people who write the Bible try to make it easy for us to open up in these passages. 
I like what Charles Spurgeon said about these two verses. He said, the more we realize our own sinfulness, the more we appreciate the mercy and the grace of God in Christ. Think about that. The more you realize your own sinfulness, if you put your sinfulness against the mercy and grace of Christ, you will see a vast gap between the two. This is why you realize you need a Savior. He also said, in Christ, we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And an advocate, listen to this now, an advocate who never loses a case. Wouldn't you like to have an advocate like that? I mean, you go into law proceedings, and I know there's people in the church who's going through, through stuff, but what if I come to you and I say, I will give you the one man, the one man who never loses the case, doesn't matter what the circumstances are, doesn't matter what your situation is, this one will not lose your case. How much will you pay for that man? How much will you pay? You will say, well, I want to win my case, I will pay him a lot. Well, here today, Jesus Christ is that one advocate who you don't have to pay a penny to because He, listen to this now, this advocate paid the price for you. Wow! Have you ever met an advocate in this world who will come to you and say, pro bono, <laughs> pro bono, this is on me. This is what Jesus says when He comes as the advocate. He says He's pro bono, this is on me. He takes your sin. He listen to me. He takes your sin upon Him. And He doesn't turn around to you and say, Now you owe me. I know we live in a world, if you do favors or people do favors to you, they think in their mind, Now you owe me. But God never is like that. So I want to talk to you for a few moments about we have an advocate. That is such a lovely thing today. It's good news after last week's hard message. You see... We come to a passage and I want to remind you why John writes this letter. There's four reasons. One is to make our joy full and complete. That's why he writes this letter. Do you want to be joyful? Do you want to be joyful? Is it only one or two? Do you want to be joyful? If you want to be joyful, go and read the first chapter of this letter. This is the reason he writes this. In chapter 2 verse 1, he just said to us that he's warning us against habitual sins habitual sins and then he's going to write to us to refute false teachers in chapter 2 verse 26 and then he's going to assure us of our salvation in chapter 5 verse 13 and i believe what he writes there i am so assured about my salvation not because of anything i've done because of the advocate who took my sins upon him to the cross Amen. Let's give the Lord hands in this place. Come on. Hallelujah. You see, there was a problem in the first century. There was people called Gnosticisms. Gnostics. And this in the first century started to come into the church. And let me tell you, it is rife in the church today. Gnosticism. It is in the church. But in the first century, it started coming in. So Gnosticism says the following. They say that all physical matter is evil. All physical matter is evil. This building is evil. These cars we are driving is evil. It's physical matter. But they turn it to us. And they say because you are physical matter. This is bone, flesh and bone. They say that your flesh is evil. That's what they say. That's what they teach. And this is why they say Jesus did not have a physical body. He was just a ghost. He was just a spirit. This is what they say. And you would want to think that intelligent people do not believe and eat it like cupcakes. You want to think that people would think that's not right. But people fall for it because of the next. They believe that the spirit that lives inside of you is the only thing that matters so that means that anything you do physically does not matter so you can do whatever you want because your body is doing it and your body is evil but you who are inside is all good you are spiritual 
I see this happen every single day. I look at the world and I see that people in the world believe in Gnosticism. You know when you come to them and you start talking to them about God? They say, oh yeah, the man up there. Have you heard that? The man up there. And you know what they say? They say, yes preacher, but I do some good things. And I do some bad things, I know that. But I do some good things and somehow they're going to outweigh each other. And God's going to look at me and He's going to say, Well, you've done more good things than bad things, you can go to heaven. This is not true. This is not true. You see, this is Gnosticism. You know what Gnostic said in his day? Gnostic said, we can have fellowship with God regardless of our actions. That's what they say. You can do whatever you want to do, but we will have fellowship with God. John said, uh-uh, wait a minute, hold on, hold your horses there, it doesn't work like the way. He says, if we, have, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness with these bodies, we lie and do not practice the truth. So, John says to those who think that they can live in a sinful way and they can still go to God and have fellowship with Him, he says, no. And who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe God. The Gnostics said, already in chapter 1, they said, we are not sinners. Isn't that what the world say? The world, they say, no, we're not sinners. Because the point is, if you say that you're a sinner, then you realize that you need a Savior. And you can't save yourself. And here he goes, we are not sinners. And John says, oh, hold your horses there. That doesn't work like that. Let me tell you how it is. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, in other words, we are not sinners, we deceive ourselves, we lie to ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There are so many people who are lying to themselves. I see so many people even in the church sitting there and they say, I'm a Christian, look I'm coming to church. But you know what, some people come into church and they switch off. Not in this church, I'll preach louder if you want to. <laughs> but that's true. You know, sometimes I preach the sermon here at the front and I, and I preach it and I'm, and I'm really, you know, blue in my face shouting the message out and I can see the veils is down in some people's faces. Because they believe not these things. He says, if you say that you have no sin, you deceive, you are lying to yourself. And he says, then if we say that we have not sin, not only do you lie to yourself, but you are lying to God. This is all that I preached last week. And this is what people said was a really hard message. But it is needed. People hide from sin from others. They hide their sins from themselves and from God. Now John gives us the good news here in verse 9. He says here in verse 9, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, good news. He says, if we confess, everybody say confess. confess. If we confess our sins, what is happening? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Now, I've just laid the foundation because I want you to concentrate now. You see, this is so wonderful. It is so wonderful to sit here and to say, Hey, preacher, I only have to confess my sin. And God will forgive me my sins and He will cleanse me from my unrighteousness, from my lifestyle. He will cleanse me. It's an ongoing process. It is so wonderful. But this leaves us with a theological problem. And I want to discuss that with you today. I want to make you all theologians today, okay? If you walk out here, I'll give you a certificate. This is a theological problem here. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do you mean, preacher? Well, can God just forgive us? Can He just forgive us? And the answer is yes, of course He can just forgive us. Because He's God. He can do anything. And you see, this is the wonderful thing. We need to understand how these things are put together. God can just forgive us, but something had to happen. You see, what about justice for the wrong? What about that? I like it when Denzel was here in the front and he talked about David, yes? David did something wrong. 
David came to God. You find all the Psalms there where he prostrated his heart before God and he says, Oh Lord, I have sinned. And he, he threw himself out after Nathan came to him. He threw himself before the Lord. He wrote the most beautiful Psalms that you and I can read about coming to God and asking forgiveness. Have you read them? I've read them. I've studied them. And here he comes before him and God says, David, so wonderful, my son, my child. A man after my own heart, I forgive you, but there is consequences for sin. We need to understand that in this church. If you conduct a sin, it may not catch up with you right now. You might come away with it, you might get away, you might lie to others, you might lie to yourself, you think you lie to God, and you get away with it, but it is going to catch up with you. There is consequences. Everybody say consequences. For sin. Do you know what a consequence is? David. David, you are forgiven, but the son will die. The child is going to die. There is consequences for what you do. I want you to think clearly about it. You see, we preach things straight in this church. I said it to you before. If you don't like it, if I offend you, I hope so. Because that means the Holy Spirit is knocking at your door and He wants to speak to you today. You see, there is consequences. God is a just God. And He will not go against His word and He will not go against His character. He will not. Otherwise, you can burn that Bible. If God goes against His character, if He goes against His word, I'm telling you today, I'll be the first one to burn the Bible because God is there, not God. I know it's shocking words, isn't it? But he will not go against his character. You see, God is a righteous judge. Who knows that? He's a righteous judge. You can't pay God. You can't tell him something up. You can't befriend him to give you a favorable answer. There's only one way to this righteous God. Who knows what's the answer? Come on, say it loud. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Come on, let's say it again. Jesus is the only way to this righteous God. The only way. And what did Jesus pay to be able to go to the righteous God? His blood. His blood. In Isaiah chapter 33 verse 22 says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our law, a lawgiver. That is the title of God. That is the highest honor that you can give God in the Old Testament. The Lord God means His title, His deity. It comes with all of His power behind that. And let me just tell to you today, if you sit here today and you think you can hoodwink God, you make a big mistake because He's a powerful God. There is justice and His justice is right. You see, where there is a judge... There needs to be, and there must be, an offense. There must be an offense. And it's my task to talk you through that today. Are you ready for that? I was going to do it anyway. You see, there must be an offense. Because here is a righteous judge. We've heard it, and we all bask in the glory of He gives us forgiveness. But you need to understand, this is not cheap. Forgiveness is not cheap. There's a there's a price that was paid. There was a justice that needed to take place for this to happen. And, and, and you know, I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed how people can turn their backs upon God for all that He's done. I'm absolutely flabbergasted amazed that people can come into the church, sing the hallelujah songs, and they hear the knocking of the Holy Spirit on their heart's door because of that price that He paid, and they turn walk away or they say maybe next Sunday but maybe next Sunday will never come to you. oh it's going to be another hard message today brother John isn't it you see we all know what the offense is if there is a judge they need to be an offense and the offense is in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and by the way I've got so many verses for all everybody say all, all. say it again Say it louder. All. For all. What does all mean? It means everybody. Does it mean me? Yes. Does it mean you? 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 Everybody. He says for all have what? Sinned. We've all sinned. This is an offense. Something happened. You were born in this by the way. It's 
Not your parents. I know so, so many people blame their parents, you know, blame their parents. The Bible says you need to honor your parents. I know they've done you in. I know all of those things. But the Bible says you need to forgive them. Yes? Yes, forgive them and honor them. Those things is still in the Bible. It's written right there. And every single day that you continue not to forgive them and not to honor them, you are breaking. You are there's an offense for that. I wasn't planning to say that. It just came. So if I offend you, praise the Lord. He says it right there. He says, for all have sinned and fall short. Everybody say fall short of the glory of God. You and I don't understand this phrase. You know, if, if I'm standing here and there's a big rock mountain here and I'm standing on the edge of the cliff and I go, yep, it's round about there. I need to jump. There's a big, 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 I'm going to fall maybe what, 100 meters to the ground. And I go, now I'm weighing myself, 120 kilos. Nobody laughs about that, okay? <laughs> Sister, 120 kilos, I need to go back and run and then jump to get to the other side. And I do my very best and I run and I jump up. And I just reach this point, and there's the other edge. What happens? I have fallen short. What's going to happen? I am going to die. Yes? Gravity will grab all of me, Mary. And it will go. And this is not a rubber, by the way. Come and feel me. Place some bone. Have you, have you shaken my hand? I'm not going to bounce. I'm going to die. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. There are so many people who think they can hoodwink God. I don't know why I use that word, but you know what I mean. But you see, there's so many people who think uh, on their own efforts, in their own goodness, they're going to jump over and they're going to make it. You will not make it on you. Listen to me. The whole Old Testament in the Bible is an evidence for you of a nation who could not make it. Who could not, they all run, they all jumped and they fell short. Who do you think you are that you're going to come to God and say, I'm the blue-eyed boy? It ain't going to happen, brother and sister. I'm just telling you today. So that's the offense. We've all sinned and fall short. And now we all know what the penalty is. What is the penalty? The penalty is death. The wages of sin. You see, what is wages? I work for wages for a company. What do I do? I put my time and effort in. And what do they give me? They give me wages. Now listen to this. If you continue in the... Listen to me today. If you, I want everybody and online, I want you to hear this. If you continue in your sin, you're going to get the wages for that. It's there. For the wages of sin is what? You say to me, but preacher, we are preaching in a funeral home. It is bent to happen. I'm going to die. All of us. All of us in this room is going to die. I'm not afraid of death, by the way. But all of us is going to die. And then comes judgment, the Bible says. You shouldn't fear this death of this body. You should, you should, you should know what's going to happen at judgment. Because there's two deaths here that he talks about. The second death is in the lake of fire. Where's Brother Glenn? You like to sing it, my brother. The lake of fire. Amen. Yes. The second death is separation from God. And we know. We know that this is the penalty. So there you've got it. You've got it all there. I mean, think for yourself. You know, here is a man. He, he goes into a bank. He puts a balaclava on and he robs the bank. But he didn't know that the jacket that he's wearing, a lot of people know that he's the only one in town who's got that jacket. So he gets out and he's got all these bags of money and he gets away with it. He gets away. Police can't find him and he goes to his home and he sits there and he starts counting through this money and go, man, I've made it. And there's a knock on the door. You surround it! Police, everybody's there. And they catch this man. Is he guilty? Yes. They bring him into the court and he stands right there in front. And, and he says, oh judge, sorry, sorry, please forgive me, you know, I've had children and, I've had, and I had to pay this guy and that guy. And, all that. and the judge look at this man. What do you think the judge is going to do? Is he going to say, oh look, he's really sorry, okay, I'll forgive you, there's the door, you can go. Is that what's happening? No. You see, the judge can say to him, poor soul, I forgive you. Whoa. But there's still a penalty. And it needs to be paid. David, you are forgiven, but the child must die. There is consequences for sin. And we know now, and this is what we're going to see in the next few minutes. How can an unholy people 
How can an unholy people approach a holy God and attain this forgiveness? How can you do that? We know it's through Jesus Christ, but let's go back to our passage. John continued to say this. He says in verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. He says, I write these things to you. What things is he talking about? These things. You need to understand and read the Bible like this. It is in context. It is all that happened in chapter 1. What he wrote in chapter 1. He wrote to them that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. He said that if we sin, we need to come and confess our sins. He wrote all about these things. He says the blood of Jesus Christ will wash you whiter than snow. I've combined Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 there. All of these things, that he, and all of the things that I've preached for the last four weeks, okay? He says, these things I've written to you, and Pastor John has preached it to you. No, I'm not putting it into the Bible. But these things is that you may not sin. You see, what he's saying there is, <clears throat> the secret for victory over sin is to walk in the light. Do you want victory over your habitual sin? The things you watch when the doors are closed? God sees it. The things you do, the things you say, the things you are hiding from people? God sees it. There cometh a day that if you haven't confessed of it and walk away from it, that you will pay for it. And he says here, I'm writing to you that you may not sin these things. Now, there's an interesting thing that comes out here. If he says that you may not sin, we learn a few things here. We learn that Christians can and do sin. You know, I'm not preaching a sinless perfection. There are people who are doing that. Christians do sin. You and I know that. They can sin. You know, Paul, I find Paul... Who I look at Paul and I go, wow, what a man of God. He wrote the best part of the Bible in the New Testament. He comes at one stage and he says, the things I want to do, I do not do them. <laughs> if it's not you, it's me. I'll be honest to you today, okay? You go, oh, what is a big sin this pastor has got? But you know, I can honestly tell you, there's sometimes that I, that I lose it and I'm, I'm, I'm not giving a good word to somebody, you know. I'm a little bit angry and then I need to go back and say, please forgive me. Is that, is that wrong or is it right what I'm doing? I'm a little bit vulnerable, you know, okay? I'm opening up a little bit more about myself here. I, I, I wish I had a little bit more uh, from the audience, but there's nothing. So <laughs> but it's true that, you know, Christians can and they do sin. And it's so wonderful. What happens when we sin? We confess that sin constantly. And here is, here is Paul. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who knows that scripture verse? What tense is that? What tense is that? Oh, wretched man that I were. Oh, wretched man that I was. No, he says, oh, wretched man that I am today. Who will save me from this body of death? You might as well have said the body of sin. Because sin leads to death. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2, 2 verse 1. He says, you were, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, and He made you alive. That's a wonderful. You see, we learn a few things here. And it's God's desire that we do not sin. But that doesn't give you freedom to sin. And we also learn that sin breaks fellowship. He says, children, I write to you that you may not sin. And then He says, if anyone sin, and I love this. You see that with the if? I try to make it bigger and yellow for you so that you see that. I like that word. He says, I know that you're Christians, and I know that you are saved. But if you sin, when you sin, and you do these things, that Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. What does he say? If anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father. With the Father. You see, when some people, when they say, if you sin, what is... I've heard some people say strange things. They say, that's it. Kaput. Is there an English word like that? This is an African word. Kaput means you're dead, you're done, you're lost for. Some people say, if you sin, hey Christian, if you sin, kaput. You are lost. You've lost your salvation. 
And I must say to you, brothers and sisters, it's a terrible, terrible way to try to live a Christian life like that. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you this. I've seen it for myself. I've been too long in ministry to pick up experience about that. I know about people who came to me and said, I just can't do it. And I said, what do you, what do you can't you do? I just can't. I just can't. I'm so worried about what I'm going to do next week and Wednesday. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I, oh, maybe a year from now. Or maybe it's just one year before. Maybe it's a day before the rapture and I sin and I've lost it all. And Christ come and I don't go. Do you want to live like that? Is that assurance? I just showed you. I mean, there's some people who believe, hey, I'm sinless. Hey, hey. I'm a sinless perfection. They drive on the monas. I'm sinless perfection. Somebody tried to kick them off. I'm not saying that's a sin when you do that because that's what I often do. Not many more. But, um, but, but here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We are still living in this world, aren't we? And as long as we live in this world, Satan still is going to have temptation thrown in front of you. Why? Because he wants to break the fellowship with the Father. He wants to break your fellowship with this church. Not this church, but with your brothers and sisters in the church. He wants you to get away. Because Satan knows that if he can bring you away... My brother showed it with the flame there. He knows if he can bring you away because you've sinned, you feel so ashamed about it, and now you've lost, and those, they're all sitting in, I don't like church anymore because there's just fights in church. They just say bad things about each other. That's why I don't like church. Satan likes that because he pulls you away into your corner. And now you feel, oh, everybody's against me, and I don't like those fellowship Christians, and you don't come to church anymore. That's just where He wants you to be. Is that where you want to be? No. He says, this is the thing. Some people say, you've lost it, man. You've lost it. It's done. Kaput. But now He says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. That's not what John is preaching here. He says, we've got an advocate with the Father. And, and everybody should say, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand to this place. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Keep that hand going. Keep that hand going. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. We've got an advocate. We've got an advocate. Who knows? You know, somebody's going to intercede on your behalf. And he's going to do it. Listen to this pro bono. He's going to do it for free. Listen to this now. This is wonderful. I don't know about you, but I love my Greek. Amen. Have I said that before, Bree? I love Greek, didn't I? Okay, here we go. He says he's got an advocate. Now, this word for advocate here, interestingly enough, is the word parakletos. Parakletos. Where did we hear that word before? David, I see you smiling there at the back. People who've been here in this church for a long time know what I'm talking about. Yes? Parakletos. That's a wonderful Greek word. Because it's two words. It comes from the word para. And Kletos, it's made out of two words. And you've heard me say this before, but just for your visitors here, just bear with me. That's where we get our word parachute from. Parachute, who knows what's a parachute? You jump out at 10,000 feet out of that airplane and you go, you hope you've got a parachute. <laughs> because if you pull on that string, what's going to happen? And now you're floating to the earth. It's called parachute. Para, it means come alongside. But this thing is above your head, Okay. But it's helping you to float to the earth. What about paramedic? You know what's a paramedic? It is somebody who's got medical, they were trained in medical fields. And here you're on your bike and you're cycling, you fall over and bang, you break your leg. Oh, sorry my sister. I shouldn't have said break your leg. You break your arm. And there's a big gash in your arm. And now what do they call? They call the what? The paramedics. Why? Because this man is going to come alongside you and he's going to use his medical expertise to help you but we've got this for us he says if you sin we have this advocate which is a paracletos para comes alongside you and kletos is going to assist you it's one it's one who pleads another's case before the judge that is what a advocate is now why did we smile so much because we've made this before you remember john chapter 14 verse 16 there, and I will pray the Father and He will give you another comforter. That word there for comforter is the same word. 
It's Parakletos. It's Parakletos. That he may abide with you forever. You say, how does that work then? Jesus is then the advocate. He's the Parakletos. But the Holy Spirit is also the Parakletos. Well, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all three in one. Who believes in the Trinity? Absolutely. You say, but I still can't get it, preacher. Explain a little bit more. Yes, thank you for asking. I will. You see, you see here is the fantastic thing. It is, it is the same, but it's two. This is why Jesus used this word. Listen to me. I, now I'm getting excited. Every single word in this Bible has got weight in it. Every single word. I believe every single word of this Bible. With my whole heart. Everything, Peter. And here you need to understand something. Look at this now. Who would have think that Jesus used this word? He says, and he will give you another. Everybody say another. Comforter. You want to know in Greek what that word another means? One just like me. How sweet is that, Kylie? Amen. Just that thought should bless you today. You go, wow, he preached really up and down today. Just forget about what I preached. Take this one word. The parakletos here is our advocate. That's Jesus Christ. And he is going to intercede on your behalf. If the court sits and they say, here is John Shipman. Who will speak out for him? Standing up is the advocate. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's keep the Lord hand. Hallelujah. Gary, Parakletos. Parakletos stands up. And you know what it means? He's going to come alongside me. And what's he going to do? He's going he's to stand. Listen to me, Bron. He's going to stand. He's going to stand for my kill before the judge. Before the judge. You, you just, did you hear what I say today? Every single thing that you did wrong from birth up until the day you die, every single thing that a dirty old sinner did, this paracleto stands up, he walks over and he says, Judge, when you look at this man or this woman, I don't want you to look at them straight out. I want you to look at them through my blood. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I get excited about it and I'm not going to ask an excuse for that. Here is the parakletos, okay? Now, now, this is the fascinating. I, I need to keep to this. Listen to this now, Mark. Listen. The parakletos is the judge. It's Jesus. But here he comes. That same judge said to us one day, I will pray the Father and I send you another comforter. And here is the wonderful thing about that comforter. He comes and he lives inside of you. Woo! That is fantastic. I don't know about you, but I just got a little bit excited about that. Wow. Wow, Aaron, think about that, brother. Hey, you, and here you are trying to, to work out, you're getting your paperwork ready, if the judge is going to ask this, where is that? Oh, this is it, judge, I've got this. And if the judge goes, yeah, I've got this, this, this. And if, yeah, no, 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 forget about that. Put it away. Come to Christ and, and bow before Him because He's the only one who can do this. Look at this, the advocate is where? Where is the advocate? With the Father. <laughs> and the Bible says in Hebrews, he sits, he sits next to the Father. What side of the Father? The right hand. Why the right hand? Because it's the authority hand of the Father. It is with that hand that the Father says, guilty or forgiven. Where does he sit? Where? There's, there's meaning in that. Brett? He sits at the right hand in the authority hand of the Father. And, he, and before the Lord says, you are guilty, he says, wait a minute. Shall I do it one more time? The paracleto stands up. And he walks over to you and he says, hey, Alison. Wow. Is that good news? Yes. I wanted to preach not a hard message today. This is what he says in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. He says, who come to God through him, through Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them, for them. And John tells us who is, who is, is looking now. Look at this now. He is the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is the advocate. He declares him now. 
He says, we have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. The name Jesus means Yeshua salvation. The name Christ is the anointed one. And righteous means he's sinless. He's the sinless one who obeyed the full law of God. This advocate is not just any man you grab out of the street. He is the anointed one who will stand for you. Now John writes to us in verse 2. We all love the advocate, do we? Amen. Are you happy this, this morning that you've got the advocate on your side? Listen to me, the advocate who never loses. There's no case ever in the history of the annals of this world that he lost. And he will not lose your case as well. Now let's quickly hurry on to verse 2. You see how deep it is? We could have skipped over all of these things, couldn't we? Look at this now. He says in verse 2, And he himself, this advocate, Jesus the righteous, he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. And somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. The word there for propitiation is the word hilasmos. The Greek word hilasmos. It means to benefit of Christ's blood for the sinner the accept in the acceptance of the Father. Pause. I want you to read that. Take a photo if you want to, but you're going to get those who's on the email list, I'm going to send it to you anyway. Look at that. That's what the word means. He says it right there. He himself, remember when I started to say, I said God's forgiveness is quick, but there is a judge and there is a penalty and there needs to be a price paid for this penalty and here we've got it. Here we've got it. We know now we sinners, but here is the price that's paid. Right here. Here's the appropriation. It means... Christ's blood for, everybody say for. for oh sorry that's not scripture I shouldn't have let you repeat that but I think it's important Christ's blood for the sinner Christ's blood for me Christ's blood for you and it's so important in the acceptance of the Father in other words the Father only accepts one blood and whose blood is that? And he accepts that blood on behalf of who? The sinner. Us. This is so clear. I mean, the word says it there himself. You see, he paid with his blood for our sin. Hebrews 9.22, and according to the law, all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's what, what um, brother, uh, my brother prayed over the table. Remember when Nathan prayed, he said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It's the same. Blood needs to be shed. If you lived in the Old Testament, you had to go and buy an animal. You had to walk, walk a long way if you're a Jew. You take it to the temple. You lay your hand on that animal and you say, I lay my hand on it. That animal is going to die for you. It's going to die for you and your family. Every single year. Every year. It's amazing. It's amazing and they did it the Jews religiously did it every year because they knew it gives them peace of mind the reason why your life is so so out of out of tune is because you haven't got peace of mind you need to come to Christ and get peace of mind he's the only one they laid on that animal and Jesus came one day Jesus John the Baptist was baptizing there and he looked up and what did he say behold Behold the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. And we came now, every single one of us, every one of us. We say, Lord, forgive us our sins. And what do you do? You lay your hands on Christ. If you sit here this morning and you proclaim to be blood washed, if you proclaim to be a born again child of God, this is what you did. You came and you laid your hand on Jesus Christ. And you say, take my sins. And he did. He went to the cross. We were purified with that blood. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. I want to I wanna end with this before we come to the ABC. Because I said, every, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the ABC every Sunday. I, I'm not saying, you say, preacher, do you want to tell me this whole church is not saved? I'm sitting here every Sunday, I'm saved. It's not for you then, it's for those who are not saved. And they may be recorded, this goes into YouTube, and maybe the Spirit speaks to somebody. But I want to share to you one verse. We 
when I read over it this week, I've, I've preached through that chapter. But when I came to this verse this week, it just sort of jumped off the page for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. If you haven't underlined this, if you haven't read this, if you haven't studied this, I highly recommend this. He says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. For he made him, Jesus Christ, Yeshua's salvation, the anointed one, the Messiah, who knew no sin. He was perfect. He made him sin for us. When he hung on the cross, he was a perfect. Nobody could say anything about him. He lived a perfect life. There was no fault that they could find in him. And, and when he hung on the cross, he took the sin of the whole world, every single my sin, you sin, of this whole world, way back from the beginning of the world. All of those sin. Listen to the weight. I want you to feel the weight here. He took all the sin, the vilest sinner. I can tell you things here, but you will say, oh, don't mention it in church because it's so horrible. The newspapers are full of them. But if one of those people who did that horrible sin, if he come and he repented and God saved him, he took all of that sin to the cross on himself. He, he, he became that was. He says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin. Can you see that? To be sin. Okay, I want you to get the weight of this prize, brothers and sisters. I want, if you walk out of this place, you should be changed forever. Because here is somebody who is blameless and he took the whole world's sin upon himself that we might become the righteousness of God. It's, it's as if we say God treated Jesus as if he lived my life. That's how God treated him. That's unfair, isn't it? God treated Jesus as, he, as, as if He's lived your life, John. And I don't want you to come up here and share with me. I mean, there's a lot of things that I did in my life before I came to Christ that I'm ashamed of. I don't want to share it with you. But it's as if, Lee, as if He's taken my life. And then, he, he punishes Jesus for my sin. He says, for John Shipman, I'm going to punish you for his sin that he did. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at this. And turn to me. And he looked at me as if I've lived Jesus' life sinless. Sinless. Is this, is this doing something to you right now? It amazes me how people water down the gospel. And then it amazes me how people play church. wishy-washy activities trying to play to people's like do you like this we do do this you don't like this in church you don't like us to preach sin in church okay we'll stop preaching sin in church so that we can be the neighbors even if i'm the last person i'm preaching to in this place i will preach Ask him if we come to him and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and repent us all our God's sins. So easy, isn't it? So costly. You know, in a week it really touched me when I read that because I just feel I want to fall down. I just feel I want to just drop to the floor and say, oh God. Lord my God. Which man that I have. Amazing grace. Can we feel that grace this morning? I just want to, I, I, I don't know, brothers and sisters. Sometimes I preach this and I say, Lord, I can't even hear this. And I go preach this and I look at people who just, you know, it's just if it's just if it's just a wind busting. You know? And then I look at him and I say, Amazing Christ. 
Now, before I pray, I just want to say, you know, it's just the ABC, if you're sitting here, and if you're safe, praise the Lord. You know, the, the A stands for you admit you've sinned, uh, Romans chapter 3, 23. You know, we all fall short, Romans 3, verse 10 says there's no one righteous. The B stands for believe. Believe that Jesus is Lord. He died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. Uh, that's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And Romans 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrated own love that he died for us while we were still sinners and the sea there stands for confess we confess to god alone not man and we call upon his name and if we do that he will save us heavenly father i thank you this morning for your word and father oh my soul is alive inside of me lord because of your word father it's true it is so true lord <laughs> When the Hebrew writer wrote down, he says, Your word is living and it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is the discerner of the heart, Father. And I thank you in this morning. And Father, I thank you, Lord. I've, I've learned so much again out of this letter. But I do want to pray, Father, for people who's listening online and sitting in here. If there is any sin, like Paul said, he said, uh, These things he wrote that you do not sin. But if you sin... We've got an advocate. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the advocate. And I also know, Lord, that the advocate is now not liberty to sin. It's not liberty to sin. Because it's a heavy price. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father, go with everybody today. Go during the week. During this day. Strengthen everybody, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.